It's time for your NBA Daily Assist. Now, here's Chris Mannix on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. NBA Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Call 747-LEE's for all your heat and AC needs. Out to the Sprint special guest line we go. Uh, get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now from Sports Illustrated, our friend Chris Mannix. Hi, Chris. How was the weekend? What's going on, guys? Uh, these weekends just blend together at this point. We're <laughs> already at that stage of, of life. They do. In fact, the Jazz did not have a, a game this weekend. They had one Friday night, but no Saturday and Sunday, and it was like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Um, let, let's talk about the Jazz week last week, Chris. They beat the Sixers. They followed up with a dramatic win over the Bucks. Uh, what kind of statement did they make with a week like that? Well, I mean, quality wins especially against Philadelphia right now a team that has been playing for most of the season is one of the best teams in basketball certainly a great defensive team and look you, you knew that the Jazz would eventually start to come together they got too many guys with chemistry off of last season and you know eventually Mike Conley is going to come all the way around um, you know that I still have a lot of faith that team is going to be you know right there among the final let's say four in the in the Western Conference at the end of the year, they're just they're just too good. And I, I think there are too many guys that are are consistent and reliable for them to screw up. So to beat those two teams, top tier teams, I think it says a lot about the direction the Jazz are going. And you're right, Chris. They haven't even completely come together yet. Once no. uh, once Mike Conley is doing his thing, and a guy who has surprised us a little bit. I mean, we saw what he did with Indy last year scoring 18 points a game. But Bogdanovich, this dude is not just a spot-up shooter. Yeah, what a shot he made at the end of, uh, of the last game. But, no, he's he's not just a spot-up shooter. I mean, what people who didn't watch uh, Bojan last year you know, missed was a guy that you know carried that offense. I mean, he was the number one option on that team when Victor Oladipo went down. I mean, he's, he's that good. He's capable of, of being an alpha. Uh, on that group. Now, I don't think it's his best role, certainly not one on a championship team, but that's not what the Jazz are, are asking of him. So I, I think that having him there in that second, third type of role is, is a huge asset to have. And that was one of the better signings of the offseason because you know, what I saw from him, it, it was almost the best thing to happen to him individually to see Oladipo go down because Nate McMillan effectively handed him Oladipo's role and he thrived in it. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's something to expect from him, his, his ability to to, to take over games and make big shots. I mean, that's something he showed at a high level last year. Uh, Chris, as, uh, as you know, Dennis Lindsay had a thing around here for a long time, don't skip steps, you know, in, in franchise building and team building. And and I look at, at Dallas and how just how good Luka Doncic is. Can, are, are they skipping steps because he is that good? I mean, at 6-3, and three, how legit is that for the Mavs? Uh, it's it's pretty legit. I mean, I'm in Boston right now at uh, the Mavericks Celtics game tonight, and I've spent a lot of time talking to people around the team about not just Doncic but Kristaps Porzingis as well, and that duo. And you know, they, they've got great potential. Now, I, I think it'll be. I don't know that they keep up this sort of six and three type pace. Um, I do think Porzingis will get better as he gets more comfortable out there, coming off that major knee injury. Uh, but they still have some holes on that roster. They're going to fill in some some pieces, Luca kind of his first full season as a point guard with this team. But, I mean, this is – Luke is a legitimate MVP-level player. Like, not this year, but, you know, down the line, would it surprise me to see him win one or two MVPs? No, of course not. He's, he's that good. And, you know, when, when you look at, at the pick and roll 
as, as you guys in Utah know better than anybody, uh, that being a bread-and-butter play in the NBA, you know, what, what Stockton and Malone were back in the day, like Porzingis and, and Doncic are like that on steroids. Like they're just, I mean, what they can do in their versatility is just crazy. Like it's just, they're, they're just so good in that particular play. So I, I think in the coming years, you know, in this sort of two-superstar league, two-team, a two-superstar team league, uh, they're going to be dangerous. They're going to be really, really tough once they start throwing that roster around those guys. Chris, I thought of you with your connections to the team when the Celtics get off to this fast start. Their demise was greatly exaggerated. Yeah, I mean, it, I always thought that they were going to be a very good regular season team, and I still think that, even with Gordon going out with that injury. Uh, and he won't be out that long. He had surgery today, and uh, we'll know in the next couple of hours how long he's going to be out, but they're expecting a month or so. Um, but their weakness up front is real. I mean, you can't win in the playoffs with some combination of Robert Williams and his canter and, you know, Grant Williams in that front court. Um, it just doesn't work. So, you know, they can be a, a top five seed, maybe even a top four seed, maybe even top three seed when it comes to the regular season standings. But if they're going to make any kind of moves, they've got to go out and hope that, you know, a Clint Capella becomes available or somebody along those lines they can get uh, to, to get them at a high level. But they're, they're a legit team that can score on you. They'll defend in spurts. I mean, they're built to win the regular season. They're just not built to win yet in the playoffs. You mentioned Hayward's injury. Man, he was really playing some ball. And then, and then man, another setback. Yeah, he, he was physically all the way back. Um, you could see it when I was around the team in training camp. You could see it uh, in the early part of the, the season. I mean, he's explosive. He was physical. He looked like – I wouldn't say looked like what you saw in Utah because I don't think he'll ever be that – dynamic um, or, or that excellent at finishing at the rim as he was with the Jazz. I think that might have been robbed of him maybe forever, but he's, he's, he was getting there. And look, you know, Brad Stevens has justifiably tried to downplay you know, all the kind of dramatic Gordon Hayward stories. A hand injury. I mean, you know, he'll, he'll rest it, he'll heal up, he'll be back, and maybe it'll take him some time to get back in the rhythm, but it won't take a full season, that's for sure. So I think he'll be fine and, and probably clicking back again by All-Star break. Chris Mannix with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Chris, load management has obviously been a topic for, for the past couple of weeks. And LeBron, of all people, and I say of all people because LeBron, usually when he talks, he bugs me. Uh, but LeBron, of all people, gave an interview to Yahoo Sports, and he brought up an angle that I had not really considered. And, and I thought it was quite insightful, actually, given that his kids are at the age that they're going through mm-hmm. AAU basketball. But he said, basically, AAU is, is chewing up these kids physically before they get to college or the NBA and that maybe a lot of these physical issues that young people uh, in basketball are dealing with is because really they're not being handled properly at a young age. I thought it was I thought it was very insightful actually. Yeah, I mean look and, and you take LeBron's word for it. I mean I never played AAU basketball, at least not at a at a very high level, that's for sure. Um, but you know you think about the number of tournaments these guys play in and you know, the grind on their young bodies, there inevitably is some wear and tear uh, that comes with that and, and long-term type of injuries that, that could potentially, uh, you know, stem from all that. So, uh, I mean, I, it, it, sort of, it certainly was illuminating to read that and hear him say things like that. I, maybe it's something that that lower-level basketball will reconsider and think about. We know LeBron is kind of a human starter pistol when it comes to that stuff, so maybe we'll We'll have uh, some changes there, but at the very least, maybe parents are now aware of it, or kids are now aware of it. We'll try to stay away from those tournaments and 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 leagues that cause that force you to things like that. The problem is, as we all know, when you're you know 16, 17 years old, 
you think you're invincible. You think you can walk through walls and nothing will ever hurt you, and you'll you'll feel that way your entire life. Uh, that you know can be tough to convince kids not to play for their their best interest of their long term uh, long term health. Chris, in the West, uh, you got the Lakers and Nuggets at seven and two, then the Rockets, Jazz, the Clippers, and the Suns all at six and three, and the Mavericks too. You talked about them. This is the way it's going to be all year, right? Yeah, especially in the West. I mean, the the we we thought coming in, you know, top ten, top eight, uh, whatever, would be a dogfight, forty eight ish wins to get into the playoffs in the West. That's probably still true. I mean, there are some surprises in that mix. The Mavericks, as we mentioned, um, you know, the Lakers are off to a fast start. We'll see if it's sustainable when their schedule starts to toughen up a little bit. But you know, it, it, it's tough. That's why when it comes to load management, you got to be careful how many games you take off and what games you give away because. You know, not only could it affect seeding, could affect your ability to make the playoffs for for some teams. So, I'm I think it's it's going to be fun to watch. That's for sure. Out west, there's so much parity. I mean, this is this is kind of what we talked about. You know, coming into the season, you know, seven, eight, nine teams potentially having real championship aspirations. That's played out. I mean, I, I don't. I think the Clippers might separate themselves when Paul George comes back, but I I do think this is going to be one of those uh, those uh, post seasons where. You have so many teams out there that that actually can win. Jazz take on the Warriors tonight, Chris, and this is obviously a significant sort of the Warriors. Sort, sort of, of the Warriors. Sort of the Warriors. I, I guess that's my question. You know, Draymond Green's coming back supposedly for Golden State, and and there was talk last week about Steph shutting it down for the entire season. Why wouldn't they just shut these guys down? I mean, I, I guess with Steph, like I mean, with Clay, I understand. I think he he probably should shut it down, especially if he comes back with. If, it, if it's not all the way back by the time he gets there. But Steph's got a hand injury. I wonder if you – I mean, I guess if you get well past the All-Star break, do you sit Steph Curry for the rest of the season? Maybe you can so – that's, so that's tough to tell a guy to to sit out an entire season off that. But if you're asking about the – look, if you're looking at the long-term prognosis, absolutely. I mean, tanking, or at least some semblance of it, is the smart move. I mean, if you're the Warriors, how good are you next year – with Steph and Clay still in their prime, coming back, Draymond coming back, and a top five or seven pick incorporated into that mix. I mean, you are a really, really good team. So I think there's some, there's certainly some value in in doing that if you're the Golden State Warriors. I mean, it makes them even more dangerous in 2020. Chris, I know it's a short sample and whatnot, but the team that surprised me the most as far as the Suns, what the heck is going on in Phoenix? Well, a couple things. One, I think you know Devin Booker has taken his game to to another level, and I hear two players that you can thank for that. One is Ricky Rubio, guys. You guys know. Um, I think Rubio being there, taking a lot of the point guard and playmaking pressure off of Devin Booker has been huge for him. I mean, last few years he's had to be a jack of all trades, master of none, with that team, and um, you know having Rubio there has been been a huge boost for them. Aaron Baines being there has been big. I mean, these are little things, but Aaron Baines is probably the best screening big man in the league, and he has set some bone-crunching screens, what I've seen, for Devin Booker to free him up for much easier shots than he's had to take in the past. And the other side of it is Monty Williams. I mean, I, I like Igor as a head coach. I-, I still think it was the wrong move to cut him loose after just one year, but you know, Monty is-, is Monty for a reason. He's a very respected guy in coaching circles and connects with players. And I think he's done that. You know, with that young team. Now, do I think they're a playoff team? I still don't. I think they'll come back down to earth. They're they're still too young and too weak at key positions, but they're finally trending in the right direction, which is the first time in like a decade. I think you can say that about the Suns. 
So it looks like the Knicks are going to change coaches already, or what? Uh, what's the story? That Chris, the, their president behind the scenes, is moving that way to get rid of Fizdale? Well, I mean, I've I've been on Fizdale watch since Game Three of the season when you know they played Boston at home in their home opener and they got blown out in the second half. I mean, that's not a good sign when you show no effort in your home opener. But uh, look, you, you can blame Fizdale. Fine, I don't think he's been great. But I mean, that roster is like you know it was assembled in the dark. Like it, you just you're putting a bunch of <laughs> You know, power forwards into a mix that, you know, when you need to be playing Mitchell Robinson, you know, at center, now you're playing like Bobby Portis and Julius Randle all these minutes. You got to get RJ Barrett minutes where where he's getting them. I mean, this was, this is a problem at the top. And, you know, like it's easy to blame Steve Mills, the president, and I get that, but I blame the guy that put Steve Mills in charge. Like no other team in the league would make Steve Mills the top basketball executive. Nobody. But James Dolan did because, you know, he's loyal to Steve Mills. Steve Mills has been loyal to him. There's, there's no rhyme or reason for anything they do in New York. So Fizdale probably going to be the fall guy, but nothing's going to change in New York till Dolan starts treating that team like it's a 2020 franchise. And right now he's just living in the past where he's you know, bringing in all his, his, the people that he likes to run the team and not focused on basketball decisions. Two other teams, Chris, in the East who have impressed me thus far. The Raptors lose Kawhi, and yet they come out strong this season. And my, the Heat, uh, Spolster is a hell of a coach, isn't he? No, he, he's great, and you know you you look at at you know the drive. Both these teams are defined by the same characteristics. I mean, Miami's good because Tyler Harrow was a good pick. Like that was a hit with I think the 13th pick in the draft. They found Kendrick Nunn out of nowhere. He wins the Hassan Whiteside Award for player they pulled out of basketball oblivion, <laughs> and um, and and adding to the mix. Uh, so that's been a huge boost for them. I that was a team that I think was already a playoff team. Now you have to look at them as being a legitimate win a first round type of series team if they can stay healthy and keep that group and figure out the Deion Waiters situation which is beyond bizarre uh, as well with, with Toronto I never thought they'd fall apart I mean they were 17 and 5 without Kawhi last year and they brought the band back together with some of their young players taking steps and you know that the two injuries they had to to see uh to, to Serge Ibaka and to Kyle Lowry those hurt a lot but I I've been saying since week one Siakam won most improved last year he is an MVP candidate this year he is that good. That guy is is a legit superstar in the making. They hit a home run with him with what the twenty seventh pick in the draft a few years ago, and and he just has shown, you know, from day one he's ready to take his game to another level. So as long as he stays healthy, that team has a chance to be a top four seed in the East. And you get him in the playoffs. I mean, they've got experience. Greg Van Vliet makes big shots. Kyle Lowry knows what he's doing. Um, but that's not a team I'd want to play in the postseason. Chris, thank you very much as always, and hey, enjoy the Mavericks and the Celtics, man. You got it, guys. Thanks, Chris. Chris Maddox makes the magic happen at uh, Sports Illustrated, and of course he joins us on Mondays here on The Big Show. He brings up a good point with the Raptors, 17-5 and last year without Kawhi. Uh, they're 7-2 and thus far. They're for, they're for real. Yeah. They're not going to fade away. Surprises me. Kawhi I, leave. Uh, I think they might Well, I mean, they're but... not. I wouldn't pick them to win a championship, but... Uh, it's still a quality outfit. We'll see where they finish. You think they're going to fade? I do. Hmm. I think there are a couple of teams that might fade. I think there are a couple of teams that have, have underachieved. I, I I know uh, you know Chris likes Ricky Rubio, and I know the, the Suns are a good story right now, but I don't see their I don't see the staying power there. Do you? Anybody else in the West that you think is going to fade? Uh, you know, it's the Lakers, Nuggets, Rockets, Jazz, Suns. You already addressed them. The Clippers, Mavs, but the Spurs are right there. The T Wolves. 
Let me let me put it this way. I think Dallas has a much better chance of having staying power than Phoenix does. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, Doncic has been so good. And you heard Chris Porzingis has been great, too. And, you know, Devin Booker is a one-man scoring machine. And Ricky Rubio has has addressed a lot of the issues that Phoenix was having over the years. I just don't see them with the talent yet. The Suns have that big fella. Who young, isn't playing. Young, yeah, who isn't playing. DeAndre Ayton. Who, who will be back. At, how long is he? Uh, oh, what was it? 30? Yeah, 30 games, I think. Well, here I'll say the same thing about him as I will Carl, uh, Carl Anthony Towns. I don't, I don't think that they will have the impact on this league that a lot of people think they will until they figure out how to not be a vulnerability on the defensive side. Yeah. I'm not saying that they have to be Rudy because I don't think that that's possible. But you watch Minnesota play and you watch Phoenix with Aiton, and the other team will take it at those guys every single time down the floor. You know what else fits into that category and at some point will have to address it in some way is Zion. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I completely agree. Completely. All right. More Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.